You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and on this edition, we're going to be bringing you up to date with all the latest transfer news or Arsenal-related transfer news or transfer reports is probably a more accurate term, isn't it? Because there are lots of reports flying around, as always, when it comes to the mighty Arsenal and players with whom we might potentially bring in. Now, of course, the Gunners need to do a lot of business. You know, there's no getting away from that. I think we're in a place where we all recognise and understand that the team is not quite at the level required. I think we are in a place where at this moment in time, we've only really strengthened the first team in one position. We've brought in Nuno Tavares and we've brought in Sambi Lakonga as well, both of whom I have high expectations in the future, but both for whom I have doubts about right now as to whether they are ready to walk into the Premier League and compete. But more importantly, get us up to the Champions League level because that's where Arsenal are aspiring to be. That's where Arsenal need to be as a football club. It's not, you know, it's not about saying that, you know, we're definitely going to qualify for the Champions League and that if we did miss out it would be a disaster because I think we have to recognise that we have fallen quite a way behind. I've said before, for me, a top six finish next season would be a good season, but a top four finish would be an excellent one. And that is that is where I'm at. But that doesn't mean at the start of the campaign that the goal should be to finish in the top six. The goal should be nothing less than Arsenal qualifying for the Champions League, getting back into the big time, back into the big league, recuperating all the benefits that come with that, i.e. The, the the funds from TV deals and the competition money, as well as the status that comes with the club and how that helps in terms of attracting people and, and showing people that your project is on the right track and going in the right direction. So it's really, really important. But after Saturday, uh, Sunday, sorry, it's friendly, there's been quite a bit of a reaction. You know, a lot of people have been frustrated by the fact that we were beaten by Chelsea at Emirates Stadium. For me, as I said at the time, I couldn't really care less about the result. But there were a few things that I saw that I identified and that concerned me with just, what, 10 days to go until our Premier League kickoff against Brentford. And now I think the need for Arsenal to do business is more urgent than ever, right? Obviously, the closer you get towards the end of the window, the more urgent it becomes. But while I've been quite cool and collected about it all, I do think that at this point now, we need to see movement. And on the one hand, the lack of real kind of concrete transfer information today, I take that as a bit of a positive because I think when Arsenal are doing things, it normally is on the quiet. It normally does go under the radar, at least in the early stages anyway. And then we're seeing rumours come out today that, you know, I I don't want to completely dismiss but I don't want to give much credence to. 
And, you know, it's it's a weird one because here I am sitting here with a podcast titled Arsenal are being linked with Marco Asensio. And that's why I've chosen the word so carefully. Being linked is very different to Arsenal are in for or trying to sign or have made an offer or an inquiry for Marco Asensio. Because with this one, I'm not quite convinced. Now, the rumour comes from Todo Fichajes. I think I've said that right. Uh, a Spanish outlet who are notoriously a little bit hit and miss, um, if if I want to put it in a kind way. Uh, but Marco Asensio is a player that, you know, I know Tom over at the Guna Talk is a massive fan of, and you could probably get maybe a little bit, bit more insight into Asensio as an individual from him. So go over there, check out Guna Talk TV as well, a little bit of cross-promotion. There you go. Um, but he's a player that I've liked in the past, the player I've looked at in the past and said, yeah, you know, I think this guy could go on to achieve brilliant things, but I'm not quite sure that he's the solution at Arsenal. You know, I think we've talked to death about the positions in which we need to strengthen over the course of this next few weeks. Attacking midfield is one of them. I keep talking about the need to relieve uh, Emil Smith-Rowe of all of that creative burden. And I really do believe that we have to be looking to address that area. I'm just not sure if Marco Asensio is the right man. And interestingly, if you're going to go and sign an attacking midfielder from Real Madrid, surely it's going to be Martin Erdogan, right? A player who we've had at the club. We know what he's all about. He's very well liked, very well respected within the camp. He's a player that a lot of fans would welcome back. Equally, there are a lot of fans that aren't as kind of um, big on the idea. But yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. It's really interesting to see how this is going to kind of, um, you know, move forward. A couple of people are saying to me in the chat that... Um, Arsenal have made an offer uh, for James Madison. We'll come on to look at that in in just a second because this has literally uh, been broken like while we're live. Uh, it's come from Chris Wheatley um, over on the football.london website and we'll dig into this a little bit more because I don't know how accurate this report is. Uh, but anyway, Marco Asensio, he's a player for me that ticks a few of the boxes in terms of the fact that he can play in the attacking midfield role. But I think Marco Asensio is probably a little bit more suited and comfortable and playing either from the right or either from the left. And so he doesn't feel like the right solution for me. 35 appearances in La Liga last season, managed to contribute five goals, contributed a couple in the Champions League as well. Uh, but as I say, for me, not, not the one we should be going after. Not the man. Um, I'm not... Big on it. I'm not particularly enthused by it, but equally, I'm not going to get wound up by it and frustrated by it because, as I've said, I don't think this report has all that much credibility to it. And so it is one that I thought I'd bring to you guys' attention because it is one of the more high-profile ones that are going around, uh, apparently, um, with regards to, to who Arsenal might sign in that attacking midfield position. But it's not one I'm keen on. and It's not one I expect to see done. Let's go over and chat about this Madison stuff, though, because this is uh, this is picking up uh, a bit of pace now. And I think what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll deep dive into this uh, in a little bit. Um, 
uh, on maybe a separate episode. I don't know. I've got to just quickly have a look because, as I say, the report's come out now. Uh, but according to Football.London, Arsenal and another club have proposed a player plus cash deal for Leicester midfielder James Madison. Football.London understands. Football.London revealed last month that Gunners boss Mikel Arteta is an admirer of him and is targeting him with a deal for Martin Odegaard looking increasingly unlikely. A source close to Madison told Football.London that the 24-year-old is at the top of the list for Arsenal in the summer transfer window. The major sticking point for Arsenal, however, is Leicester's demands of over £60 million for the former Norwich and Coventry midfielder. However, it's understood that the Gunners have sounded out the possibility by offering a player in the deal via intermediaries to make the transfer fee more viable. So Arsenal haven't made a bid for James Madison at this point, based on what I've just read. Arsenal are floating the idea about potentially adding a player into the mix to try and get some money off of what Leicester's fee is at the moment or or what they're asking prices as it stands. So let's not get carried away with this one. It does say on that story more to follow. So we'll probably cover this in a separate episode. Um, As I said to you guys earlier on, I am going to be joined by Elliot from Arsenal Vision this afternoon or this evening, I should say, UK time, 6pm. So come and tune in for that. And if we get any more information on Madison in between now and then, then we'll we'll bring that to you, of course. Um, But yeah, going just going back to the Asensio thing, because completely digressed off of what this podcast was supposed to be about. Just going back to to Marco Asensio for a moment. Um, He's a player that I think a lot of people acknowledge has the talent. He's a two-time Champions League winner, 25 years old, valued according to transfer market around about 31.5 million pounds. I'd imagine that uh, Real Madrid will, uh, will see him as someone that they could potentially move on to raise funds. But there are a number of players like that at Real Madrid. You know, we're always going to be linked or anyone in Europe, anyone who's anyone is going to be linked with the likes of Asensio, Isco, Odegaard, etc. If they're looking for a creative midfield player or someone to play in that three behind the forward. So I'm not getting bogged down on this one. As I say, it's not from a very reliable source, but it is doing the rounds this morning and it has been very well reported. So we've got to touch base. I wouldn't be doing my job of keeping you guys up to date if I didn't, uh, but I wouldn't get uh, too invested in this one, not in a, in a positive way. I, you want him to come and you're getting excited about it and not really in a negative way either. When you look at him and you go, Oh God, we really don't want him either way. Don't get invested in this one because I wouldn't say that this is from uh, this one has much credence to it, I guess, is the term I'm looking for. Uh, Christian says, what's the news on Partey, boys? Well, that was the next bit uh, that we were going to discuss and the best bit um, of today's podcast, of today's lunchtime podcast, is that it appears that uh, the injury to Thomas Partey may not be as serious as first feared. Now, James Benj uh, broke the news on this with a tweet earlier on. And there was another tweet, wasn't there, from someone else, which had gone viral where it was uh, somebody basically saying to Thomas Partey, like, you're going to you're gonna come back stronger. And, you know, we really, really love you. And, and this is the beginning of your road back to recovery. And I think some people kind of read between the lines in that and saw it and went, oh, my God. Um, shit, this must mean that Thomas Partey is going to be out for a really uh, long period of time. But actually, uh, 
James Benj has reported to the contrary, which is positive news. Look, he may well miss the Brentford game by what we're reading this morning, um, but the hope is that he will return uh, after that. And listen, Thomas Partey is majorly important to Arsenal. He is so important to Arsenal. You've seen him in pre-season, I think, really show what he is capable of. I think we've seen Thomas Partey at a level that we haven't seen Thomas Partey in an Arsenal shirt yet. I think he's been breaking the lines really well. He's been really dominant in those positions. And, you know, I kind of had gone into the game on Sunday, really looking forward to seeing how he was going to fare against obviously better opposition and then really excited off the back of that about how he would get on when the Premier League kicked off. And then we've been dealt this blow and it seems to be one blow after another when it comes to Thomas Partey, which has been really difficult to take. You know, you go and spend £45 million on a player, a player that you see as someone who is transformative to your midfield. And I do believe that when Thomas Partey is fit and fully fit, he is that level of player. But then you're constantly having to do without him. You're constantly having to find alternative solutions. And equally, you know, if you can't put a run of games together, which Thomas Partey has really struggled to do since he joined the football club, then you're never really going to hit your tip-top form. And and that is really frustrating for me. It's really uh, difficult to take. And I guess, as I said yesterday, I, you know, it's never a good thing that Thomas Partey's injured. But I kind of hope that there would be some positive out of it. And that positive would be that Arsenal would make a move in the transfer market and go and bring in another midfielder of a, a really high calibre that could come straight into the side. However, um, you know, do you trust Arsenal to do that? I don't, you know, I, I don't. I think that Arsenal are doing things with a long-term view now. I said it on on the second pod that we put out yesterday. It would have been available to audio listeners this morning. Um, it was about Arteta and Edu's plan and whether they'll get the time or not to execute it. But we talked a lot about the long-term vision and the players that are seen as part of the core and part of the future of Arsenal Football Club. But having those senior experienced players who are at that level now is equally as important because you need to find that blend. You're not going to win everything with a bunch of 21 to 23-year-olds, but what you can do is you can start building towards a side, you can develop those players, but they do need the likes of Thomas Partey you know, the likes of a, a fit and firing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in and amongst them to help them go to that next level, to help them get there, to get them over the line. And Arsenal, for me, um, you know, are, as I said yesterday, probably going to be reluctant to spend big money on players that don't fit in that profile, that don't fit within that remit of someone who is a long-term investment. But we do need a few more players like that. You know, we've lost some real experience and know-how in um, in uh, in David Luiz. You know, that's a big blow. A lot of people will maybe see that in a different light. But for me, losing David Luiz is a big blow. I think we lose a very good central defender, the man who was arguably our best central defender last season. Perhaps more significantly than that, we lose what he brings behind the scenes. We lose that experience. We lose a character who's always willing to front up, even if he is, um, you know, uh, even if he has been at times a liability, even if he has at times made mistakes. So, um, yeah, I, it's good that Thomas Partey is, fingers crossed, not going to be out for the long term. 
But Arsenal do need to go and bring in another midfielder. I really do believe that. Arsenal really do have to go out and bring somebody in who gives us that extra bit of depth so that we're not always just one injury, one suspension, one absence away from having a really bang average midfield. And that's my biggest fear at this moment in time heading into the new season. That midfield area is not quite as uh, sort of well-stocked as I'd like it to be. So just to recap, if you're joining us a little bit late, Arsenal are being linked with a move for Marcos Marco Asensio. Uh, the Real Madrid man is being linked with a move to the Gunners. Todo Fischajes uh, were the ones with the report. As I've said, it is a report doing the rounds. I thought I'd bring it to you guys' attention, but uh, don't get too bogged down on this one either way. I don't think it's got much legs um, and I don't think that this is going to progress anywhere. I think Arsenal only have eyes for one Real Madrid attacking midfielder, and that is, of course, Martin Erdegaard. Rumours and reports coming out uh, from Chris Wheatley at Football London that Arsenal have uh, made an inquiry or some kind of like offer. Or they've tried to test the waters uh, with Leicester City about the possibility of giving a player to, to Leicester City as part of a deal that would see James Madison come to the Emirates. But he has written on that more to follow. So we'll wait before we really dive into that because I don't think we've got any new information on that. I think a lot of people have gone quite big on it on Twitter and they're saying, you know, Arsenal have made a bid for for uh, James Madison. Actually, when you read the report, there isn't that much more information. We've talked about it before. We've talked about the likes of maybe Ainsley Maitland-Niles or Reese Nelson, for example, going the other way as part of a potential sweetener, as part of Arsenal's efforts to reduce Leicester City's asking price. Um but as I say, no new information there uh, based on what I've just read. So let's not um, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill on that one until we hear otherwise. But as I say, if there are any updates, of course, we will bring those to you right here on the channel. Don't forget, this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, head over to their brilliant website. Check out the Lawnmower 4.0. You cannot go wrong with one of those bad boys. You'll have your bush in neat and tidy order. Uh, it feels great as well. So uh, what's the word? Liberating. Is that the word? I don't know. Maybe you don't want to know that. But anyway, check out manscaped.com. Enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you'll get 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. Uh, also, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that like button. It really, really does help the channel. And subscribe if you are new. If you wish to go one further and become a member, you can also do that by clicking on the link in the description. And a big welcome uh, to a number of members who have signed up over the last few days. Um, it is really, really appreciated. I've seen a few of you pop into the Discord server. Uh, so welcome. Uh, welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna family. Right, get some questions in. Let's get some of your questions for the last sort of 10 minutes or so uh, of this lunchtime uh, episode. As I say, we'll be back again later on. Uh, for those of you listening on the audio platforms, that episode will drop first thing on Wednesday morning, myself and Elliot from the Arsenal Vision podcast, probably for me, the best one out there. Uh, so you, I'm delighted to have him on. Uh, right. Assassin General says, Harry, uh, you see where the fans are coming from now. I know that you're a journalist and be biased, but you can't argue the facts that this transfer window has been a failure. No outgoings is a concern. Um. I, I've always said that we need to do business, right? We've always said that. I've always said as well that you should temper your expectations. 
in terms of we're not going to go and get seven or eight players in this summer. It's impossible. With the outgoings thing, a lot of that is out of Arsenal's hands, right? Because you can want to move someone on, but if nobody wants to pay for them or nobody is showing any real concrete interest, then you're ultimately stuck with that player. Like, What do you do as a football club? Do you start just handing things out for free? Like, is that what you want Arsenal to do? Because if you do, I think that can be done, that can be achieved. But why would Arsenal sell themselves short? I think Arsenal will be quite confident that with a lot of these players that we're looking to move on, there might not be offers to the value of what we'd have maybe set out to get at the start of the window. But I think as the window edges towards a close, clubs will be more desperate. Clubs will recognise that time is of the essence and they will be more willing uh, to budge in terms of terms. So I do think that you'll see outgoings between now and the end of the window. I, so I wouldn't worry about that. My big concern at the moment is bringing the right players in. I think that's way more important than a, a bunch of players that we do deem surplus to requirements who just might be hanging around in the reserves for a little while. Uh, Oguchukwu says, Hi, Harry, is it true that Arteta, uh, that Kroenke has given Arteta an additional £100 million for the transfer window? I can't say I know that for sure. Um, the, all the indications and the suggestions that we've seen throughout the course of this summer have kind of hinted that the Kroenkes were willing to back Mikel Arteta and to at least bridge the gap in terms of transfer funds, in terms of bringing players in while we were trying to move players out. But obviously, we're struggling to move players out. And I think we've all come to the realisation that we're not going to get as much for those players moving out as we may be set out. So it could end up being a case where they do give him uh, a little bit more money. But it isn't something I know, so I'm not going to categorically say yes. Uh, I'm just trying to read between the lines and I'm probably inferring a little bit here. Uh, big hello to Alan Damien, who joins us from Sydney. Down under. How you doing, mate? Welcome. Uh, Matt G says, a lot of Arsenal fans are not excited about the upcoming season. What are you most looking forward to? Um, this is a really interesting question. I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, hopefully, some of our current players kick on to another level. Smith Rowe, Saka. Uh, really looking forward to seeing uh, how Lakonga develops. I'm really looking forward to seeing Kieran Tierney hopefully stay injury-free. How Ben White is going to fit in. Gabriel alongside him, how that partnership would develop. But I guess for me, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to going into this season is not even about football. It's not even, well, no, it is about football, but it's not really about what Arsenal are going to do in terms of the results. It's first and foremost, getting back to going to football matches and going and spending that time with, you know, family that I do go to matches with and, and, and friends that I go to matches with. And the social element of it is massive for me. You know, it's been, football's been a huge part of my life for as long as I can remember. And even more so since I became old enough to kind of go by myself or go with my friends and do what I wanted to do. Um, it's my job now. It's a massive part of my life. But above all, you know, it's it's the, the, the great sides of it and the best parts of football we were robbed of those by COVID-19. So I'm delighted that we're going to get back to hopefully some kind of normal. Um, I was at the game on Sunday and yes, it wasn't a great result. wasn't really a great performance either, but I just loved being back. And that kind of made me realise. And I think what's happened over the last 18 months or so has opened a lot of people's eyes to what's actually important in life. Um, you know, being able to like go to events, to socialise, 
being able to shake someone's hand, give them a hug without it being like a, like an awkward moment where everybody's like, whoa, 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 don't come near me. Like it's, those are the things for me um, that, you know, are really important in life. The kind of the human side of stuff. And I'm delighted to get, to be getting that back. And that obviously for me is, is centered a lot of the time around Arsenal. So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to most, but great question, Matt. Uh, Nico says, do other teams have this much links with players as Arsenal? I think they do. Um, and I probably noticed that a little bit more when I was kind of writing about other teams over the last couple of seasons where I had teams that I was focusing on. But obviously during the transfer window, there will be things that come up and there's quite a heavy load in terms of stories. And from time to time, you do need to jump across and do something else and muck in with the rest of the guys. But yeah, there are links. And I think for us, though, as Arsenal fans, we obviously naturally pay more attention to these ones. And so it feels like there are so, so many. Um Inter says, uh, how comes you weren't on the same old Arsenal last night? Uh, Lee Judges was absolutely spot on in his views. Uh, unfortunately, I had something family related that came up. Um, um, it was a combination of, of family stuff and work stuff that just meant I couldn't make it. Um, and I was really disappointed because I, I was really looking forward to the return. But I'll be back there uh, ASAP. So, um yeah, I'm going to be part of same old Arsenal this season. Really looking forward to it. Again, we have some great discussions, great debates. I haven't caught up with last night's show yet, but I will do it. I'm sure it was an absolute cracker. Now, this is a good question and one a little bit outside the box. John Daly says, what three Arsenal players would you have in your fantasy football team for this season? Oh, um, I think I'd go with Nicolas Pepe first up because I think that he will score and I think he will provide assists. I think I might be tempted to go with hmm. Oh, this is a tough one. I might be tempted to go with Bukayo Saka because he'll get assists when he'll score a few goals as well. And I'd probably go with one of our defenders. I think I might go with Kieran Tierney because I think Arsenal have improved under Mikel defensively. I know preseason hasn't really shown that, but I think he will get his fair share of clean sheets, but I think he'll also contribute in the attacking third as well. So that would be my three, I think. Yeah, I think that's the three I'll go with. Um, Josh says, should we still sell Willock to Newcastle? Well, if it raises money for us to go and do some of this business that we're all so desperately uh, wanting, then yeah, do it. Um, I, whatever people say about Joe Willock. And listen, if he proves me wrong, I'll be the first to put my hand up and say it. But at this moment in time, you know, I, I'm not sure that he is the solution for Arsenal in an attacking midfield role. Um, and I also don't think he fits into what we're doing in the deeper midfield position. So, yeah, if the money's on the table, take it, Arsenal, and go and invest it somewhere a little bit more worthwhile. Aaron says, do you think we should have kept Louise another season and put the funds into an attacking midfielder? No issue with Ben White, though, coming on board. Uh, possibly, possibly. Um, but you always run the risk, don't you, if you don't get... Uh, your, if you don't get your player uh, early doors, then or, or at the time that you want them, you do run the risk of someone else swooping in. In the meantime, I think David Luiz, you know, he was at a good level last season. I thought, considering his age, but I'm not sure he'd have been at the same level this season. So no, I I think it was the right time for David Luiz to move on. I just think we needed to, we probably need to be aware of or understanding at least of what we lose by David Luiz going in terms of what he brings off the field. <coughs> Apologies. And try to compensate for that. 
in other areas. Sorry about that. Uh, Channel SHU says, are you surprised by the lack of attention Ricardo Pereira is getting? I know he was injured, but he's an amazing talent and we should try. Not sure uh, about that one. Uh, Open-minded guy says, how much do people underestimate Arteta? We didn't have a number 10 in the first half of last season, which is so important in his system. After Smith Rowe came in, we were second behind City. We won points against the top six and lost to the bottom. So, um, yeah, kind of uh, making that point that we were a lot better in the second half of the season. We absolutely were, for sure. Um, Pat Moyles says, if Arteta is targeting players to fit his system, could you explain what it is what his system is and who would fit? We've done a fair bit of kind of tactical analysis on what Mikel Arteta has brought to Arsenal and what he is trying to achieve. And over the course of the season, we're going to be bringing you a lot more of that. We Towards the back end of last year, we started to bring, as well as the post-match reaction show, we then followed it up the next day with a tactical analysis podcast where we went a little bit deeper and looked at the workings of the team, the formation and the roles of certain individuals. And we will highlight an individual and the role that they played. And we are definitely going to continue to do that because those shows were really well received. I really enjoyed doing them. And I thought that in doing the studying for them and the preparation for them, it actually helped me to better understand what it is that I'm seeing from Mikel Arteta's side. So it's a 4-2-3-1 on paper um, with a double midfield pivot, but it's very fluid in the sense of, and I think this was very noticeable in the game on Sunday against Chelsea, Kieran Tierney will bomb on almost like a left winger with the left winger, especially if it's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, tucking infield. And that means one of the double midfield pivot dropping in alongside the two centre-halves and becoming a almost like a back three. And we saw Mohamed Elneny do that time and time again. We went over it the other day. He doesn't do that role as well as maybe Granite Xhaka does in terms of his positioning. I'm not saying he's not, he's not more mobile, but in terms of his positioning, I don't think he really filled that role very well on that day anyway, on that given day. But it's very clear that Arsenal shapeshift quite a bit during football matches. And um, I promise, Pat, that during the season, we'll bring you some real analysis on that and, and use graphics and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but in terms of the players that we're talking about, we do need a central midfielder who can do that, who can drop into those positions, who has the the kind of technical level to receive the ball in deep and pressured positions, but also the awareness of, of where he needs to be on the park and how that all fits and works in the system. As far as an attacking midfielder goes, we need someone who fits in the sense of he can drift left, he can drift wide, and he's not going to be pinned down to one position because that fluidity and that freedom that that player has is massive in them in terms of them going around the pitch and causing problems. And Mill Smith-Rowe has that freedom and we've seen him reap the benefits of that and Arsenal have reaped the benefits of that. In terms of everyone else, you know, the right back has got to be everything that a, a full back should be, you know, technical, but also physical, also quick, also mobile and also defensively um, aware and in terms of his positioning as well. So I guess the midfield is where you're looking for specifics in terms of what we want. I think centre forward is another position that Arsenal and Mikel Arteta are looking for specific attributes. 
centre forward, you're looking for someone who can hold the ball up, who can drop that bit deeper, but also for me, can turn and get into the box and offer us a threat from crossing situations. I think that's what we miss at the moment. And we spent large periods of last season getting into wide areas and putting crosses into the box to no avail. So you do need the type of player that can uh, feed off that kind of service. And I think we're missing that a little bit, I've got to say. In midfield, though, as I say, he's got to be someone who can drop into those deeper positions and is willing and happy to provide that shield and become part of the back line when Arsenal are without the ball. Let's take a couple more of your questions and apologise if I miss some of those, uh, but it is, the chat is always updating, so I do miss some of them. Uh, Inny, thank you so much for your very kind Super Chat donation, mate. He says, hey, Harry, can we take a moment and be concerned about Aubameyang? He's not scoring. Hope it's nothing, but what if? Um, yeah, we talk, again, it's another point that we kind of touched on and we're probably going to touch on a little bit later on with with Elliot on the podcast uh, that we're recording this evening. But I I just think that Mikel Arteta needs to make a decision on Aubameyang. And that decision has to either be, you're my centre forward and I'm going to try and put everything through you or you're not in my team. Because we're shoehorning him into a position that I just don't think works for him. I think in, in years gone by, he's played in sides where he's been able to play from the left and done it quite well. But this is not, the 25, 26-year-old Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We're talking about a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who is, um, you know, in a, a very different stage in his career. And I don't think he's as effective from a wide area as he maybe once was. So players change. Players over time, you know, will, will change in terms of what their uh, sort of game is all about. And I think Aubameyang's game has changed. I think he's still got that explosion of pace but I don't think that he's quite at the level anymore to go up and down the wing all day long and cause people problems all day long. So I think that the, going back to your question and going back to the point, just need to make a decision on him. Um, and it's as simple as that. And whatever that decision is, I think there will be people on, that see both sides. I think for me, if the decision was to say that his overall centre forward play isn't really what we're looking for, therefore I'm not going to pick him. I don't think I would be massively upset about that but equally I think he's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and he's our best striker and so he has to be on the pitch somehow and he's the club captain let's not forget that as well so it's um it's a really interesting predicament for Mikel Arteta to find himself in but I do think what he's doing at the moment is he's kind of avoiding the issue avoiding tackling it head-on and just kind of coasting by and actually it's probably affecting the balance of the team uh, moving on, uh, let's take this one from, um, Christian who says, uh, Lokonga Xhaka versus Brentford and Chambers at right back. I think it's got to be Lokonga and Xhaka if, uh, if Thomas Partey is not available, I don't want to see Mohamed on any starting in there. I really don't. I'm sorry. Um, and, and yeah, probably Chambers at right back cause he's played a bit more in preseason. I haven't really seen that much of Cedric this summer, which has been surprising because there was loads of reports, wasn't there, last week that he could be in contention to start at Brentford and then Chambers played against Chelsea and then Cedric didn't even come on. Bellerin did. So it was weird for me. Let's take uh, a couple more before we uh, lock off. Uh, Alan says, do you think Oba would play better if he wasn't the captain? It looks like he's not handling the pressure well. Not really. Um, you know, for me, I think a lot is, is made normally of that captaincy thing. I don't think it's that big of a deal, if I'm being completely honest. I don't think it should be 
a burden. Um, if you're that experienced, then you've kind of been around the block the way he has. I don't think that, you know, he, it is that because I think he's played very well previously, you know, with the captain's armband on. So it's not it's not an issue for me. I think it's a bit of a, if, if people are to use that excuse for him, I'm not saying you are, Alan, but if people are going to make that excuse for him, I think it's a bit of a cop out, if I'm going to be honest. Right, uh, let's take... One more. I'll take this one from Christian uh, before we go. He says, hi, Harry. Would you say if Arteta fails this season, we should sack him? Yeah, I would. Um, I would. Because as I've said previously, yes, I think there's a long-term plan here at Arsenal. Do I think that the club will sack him? I'm not sure. But for me, I just think that when you're a club the size of Arsenal, you cannot fail to maintain a minimum standard over three seasons and get away with it. It's just not good enough and people won't stand for it and rightly so. So I do think it is a make or break season for Mikel Arteta for sure. But I didn't think that last season, you know, I never at any point thought this was a make or break campaign for Mikel Arteta. I always said this was his first full season in charge and there were going to be ups and downs. I actually expected Arsenal to decline a little bit last season. But in having that leeway, in having that time and in having that, I guess, pressure taken off of him he is now in a place where he needs to get it right and there is no more excuses and there is no more leeway and Arsenal need to be at least competing for a place in the top four this coming season right I'm gonna leave it there uh big thank you to all of you for tuning in big hello to Matty K as well this is great work H keep it up pal thank you so much mate um don't forget if you guys haven't done so already please do hit the like button. I have no idea how many likes uh, are on the board at the moment. And the reason I have no idea is because I've left my phone on the other side of the room. But um, please do hit the like button. There is enough of you watching, I'm sure, for us to get at least 100 likes on the board. In fact, I can see there's 200 of you watching right now, which means there is no excuse for us not to hit that 100 likes mark. Um Right. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Check out Manscaped if you haven't done so already. And as I say, we will be back later on with another edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. So stay tuned. All the best. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.